Chapter 4, Part 2 of Glimpses of Unfamiliar Japan, First Series by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 A Pilgrimage to Enoshima. Section 10. Now, this weird old temple has its legend. Seven hundred years ago, tis said, there died the great image maker, the great Bushi, Unkesose. And Unkesose signifies Unke who returned from the dead. For when he came before Emma, the judge of souls, Emma said to him, Living, thou madest no image of me. Go back unto earth and make one, now that thou hast looked upon me. And Unke found himself suddenly restored to the world of men, and they that had known him before, astonished to see him alive again, called him Unkesose and Unkesose bearing with him always the memory of the countenance of Emma, wrought this image of him, which still inspires fear in all who behold it, and he made also the images of the grim Juo, the ten kings obeying Emma, which sit throned about the temple. I want to buy a picture of Emma, and make my wish known to the temple guardian. Oh yes, I may buy a picture of Emma, but I must first see the Oni, I follow the guardian out of the temple, down the mossy steps, and across the village highway into a little Japanese cottage, where I take my seat upon the floor. The guardian disappears behind a screen, and presently returns, dragging with him the oni, the image of a demon, naked, blood-red, indescribably ugly. The oni is about three feet high. He stands in an attitude of menace, brandishing a club. He has a head shaped something like the head of a bulldog, with brazen eyes, and his feet are like the feet of a lion. Very gravely, the guardian turns the grotesquerie round and round, that I may admire its every aspect, while a naive crowd collects before the open door to look at the stranger and the demon. Then the guardian finds me a rude woodcut of Emma, with a sacred inscription printed upon it and as soon as I have paid for it, he proceeds to stamp the paper with the seal of the temple. The seal he keeps in a wonderful lacquered box, covered with many wrappings of soft leather. These having been removed, I inspect the seal, an oblong vermilion red polished stone with a design cut in intaglio upon it. He moistens the surface with red ink, presses it upon the corner of the paper bearing the grim picture, and the authenticity of my strange purchase is established forever. Section 11. You do not see the Daibutsu as you enter the grounds of his long-vanished temple, and proceed along a paved path across stretches of lawn. Great trees hide him. But very suddenly, at a turn, he comes into full view, and you start, no matter how many photographs of the Colossus you may have already seen this first vision of the reality is an astonishment then you imagine that you are already too near though the image is at least a hundred yards away as for me i retire at once thirty or forty yards back to get a better view and the jinriksha man runs after me laughing and gesticulating thinking that i imagine the image alive and am afraid of it but even were that shape alive none could be afraid of it the gentleness the dreamy passionlessness of those features the immense repose of the whole figure 
are full of beauty and charm and contrary to all expectation the nearer you approach the giant buddha the greater his charm becomes you look up into the solemnly beautiful face into the half-closed eyes that seem to wash you through their eyelids of bronze as gently as those of a child and you feel that the image typifies all that is tender and calm in the soul of the east yet you feel also that only japanese thought could have created it its beauty its dignity its perfect repose reflect the higher life of the race that imagined it and though doubtless inspired by some indian model as the treatment of the hair and various symbolic marks reveal the art is japanese so mighty and beautiful the work is that you will not for some time notice the magnificent lotus plants of bronze fully fifteen feet high planted before the figure on either side of the great tripod in which the incense rods are burning through an orifice in the right side of the enormous lotus blossom on which the buddha is seated you can enter into the statue the interior contains a little shrine of konon and a statue of the priest yuten and a stone tablet bearing in chinese characters the sacred formula namu amida butsu a ladder enables the pilgrim to ascend into the interior of the colossus as high as the shoulders in which are two little windows commanding a wide prospect of the grounds while a priest who acts as guide states the age of the statue to be six hundred and thirty years and asks for some small contribution to aid in the erection of a new temple to shelter it from the weather for this buddha once had a temple a tidal wave following an earthquake swept walls and roof away but left the mighty amida unmoved still meditating upon his lotus section twelve and we arrive at the far-famed kamakura temple of kwanon kwanon who yielded up her right to the eternal peace that she might save the souls of men and renounce nirvana to suffer with humanity for other myriad million ages kwanon the goddess of pity and mercy i climb three flights of steps leading to the temple and a young girl seated at the threshold rises to greet us then she disappears within the temple to summon the guardian priest a venerable man white-robed who makes me a sign to enter the temple is large as any that i have yet seen and like the others grey with the wearing of six hundred years from the roof there hang down votive offerings inscriptions and lanterns in multitude painted with various pleasing colours almost opposite to the entrance is a singular statue a seated figure of human dimensions and most human aspect looking upon us with small weird eyes set in a wondrously wrinkled face this face was originally painted flesh tint and the robes of the image pale blue but now the whole is uniformly grey with age and dust and its colourlessness harmonises so well with the senility of the figure that one is almost ready to believe oneself gazing at a living mendicant pilgrim it is benzeru the same personage whose famous image at asakusa has been made featureless by the wearing touch of countless pilgrim fingers to left and right of the entrance are the ni-o enormously muscled furious of aspect their crimson bodies are speckled with a white scum of paper pellets spat at them by worshippers 
above the altar is a small but very pleasing image of Kwanon, with her entire figure relieved against an oblong halo of gold imitating the flickering of flame but this is not the image for which the temple is famed there is another to be seen upon certain conditions the old priest presents me with a petition written in excellent and eloquent english praying visitors to contribute something to the maintenance of the temple and its pontiff and appealing to those of another faith to remember that any belief which can make men kindly and good is worthy of respect i contribute my might and i ask to see the great kwanon then the old priest lights a lantern and leads the way through a low doorway on the left of the altar into the interior of the temple into some very lofty darkness i follow him cautiously a while discerning nothing whatever but the flicker of the lantern then we halt before something which gleams a moment and my eyes becoming more accustomed to the darkness begin to distinguish outlines the gleaming object defines itself gradually as a foot an immense golden foot and i perceive the hem of a golden robe undulating over the instep now the other foot appears the figure is certainly standing i can perceive that we are in a narrow but also very lofty chamber and that out of some mysterious blackness overhead ropes are dangling down into the circle of lantern light illuminating the golden feet the priest lights two more lanterns and suspends them upon hooks attached to a pair of pendant ropes about a yard apart then he pulls up both together slowly more of the golden robe is revealed as the lanterns ascend swinging on their way then the outlines of two mighty knees then the curving of columnar thighs under chisel drapery and as with the still waving ascent of the lanterns the golden vision towers ever higher through the gloom expectation intensifies there is no sound but the sound of invisible pulleys overhead which squeak like bats now above the golden girdle the suggestion of a bosom then the glowing of a golden hand uplifted in benediction then another golden hand holding a lotus and at last a face golden smiling with eternal youth and infinite tenderness the face of kwanon so revealed out of the consecrated darkness this ideal of divine femininity creation of a forgotten art and time is more than impressive i can scarcely call the emotion which it produces admiration it is rather reverence but the lanterns which paused a while at the level of the beautiful face now ascend still higher with a fresh squeaking of pulleys and lo the tiara of the divinity appears with strangest symbolism it is a pyramid of heads of faces charming faces of maidens miniature faces of kwanon herself for this is the kwanon of the eleven faces juichimen kwanon section thirteen most sacred this statue is held and this is its legend in the reign of emperor gensei there lived in the province of yamato a buddhist priest tokudo shonin who had been in a previous birth called posats who had been reborn among common men to save their souls now at that time in a valley in yamato tokudo shonin walking by night saw a wonderful radiance 
and going toward it found that it came from the trunk of a great fallen tree a kusunoki or camphor tree a delicious perfume came from the tree and the shining of it was like the shining of the moon and by these signs tokudo shonin knew that the wood was holy and he bethought him that he should have the statue of kwanon carved from it and he recited a sutra and repeated the nembutsu praying for inspiration and even while he prayed there came and stood before him an aged man and an aged woman and these said to him we know that your desire is to have the image of kanon sama carved from this tree with the help of heaven continue therefore to pray and we shall carve the statue and tokudo shonin did as they bade him and he saw them easily split the vast trunk into two equal parts and begin to carve each of the parts into an image and he saw them so labor for three days and on the third day the work was done and he saw the two marvellous statues of kanon made perfect before him and he said to the strangers tell me i pray you by what names you are known then the old man answered i am kasuga myojin and the woman answered i am called tensho kotaijin i am the goddess of the sun and as they spoke both became transfigured and ascended to heaven and vanished from the sight of tokudo shonin note this old legend has peculiar interest as an example of the efforts made by buddhism to absorb the shinto divinities as it had already absorbed those of india and china these efforts were to a great extent successful prior to the disestablishment of buddhism and the revival of shinto as the state religion but in izumo and other parts of western japan shinto has always remained dominant and has even appropriated and amalgamated much belonging to buddhism End of note. and the emperor hearing of these happenings sent his representative to yamato to make offerings and have a temple built also the great priest gilgi bosatsu came and consecrated the images and dedicated the temple which by order of the emperor was built and one of the statues he placed in the temple enshrining it and commanding it stay thou here always to save all living creatures but the other statue he cast into the sea saying to it go thou whithersoever it is best to save all the living now the statue floated to kamakura and there arriving by night it shed a great radiance all about it as if there were sunshine upon the sea and the fishermen of kamakura were awakened by the great light and they went out in boats and found the statue floating and brought it to shore and the emperor ordered that a temple should be built for it the temple called shin hasedera on the mountain called kaikosan at kamakura section fourteen as we leave the temple of kwanon behind us there are no more dwellings visible along the road the green slopes to the left and right become steeper and the shadows of the great trees deepen over us but still at intervals some flight of venerable mossy steps a carven buddhist gateway or a lofty torii signals the presence of sanctuaries we have no time to visit countless crumbling shrines are all around us 
dumb witnesses to the antique splendor and vastness of the dead capital and everywhere mingled with perfume of blossoms hovers the sweet resinous smell of japanese incense betimes we pass a scattered multitude of sculptured stones like segments of four-sided pillars old haka the forgotten tombs of a long-abandoned cemetery or the solitary image of some buddhist deity a dreaming amida or faintly smiling konon all are ancient time discolored mutilated a few have been weather-worn into unrecognizability i halt a moment to contemplate something pathetic a group of six images of the charming divinity who cares for the ghosts of little children the rokujizo oh how chipped and scurfed and moss they are five stand buried almost up to their shoulders in a heaping of little stones testifying to the prayers of generations and votive yodare kake infant bibs of divers colors have been put about the necks of these for the love of children lost but one of the gentle god's images lies shattered and overthrown in its own scattered pebble-pile broken perhaps by some passing wagon section fifteen the road slopes before us as we go sinking down between cliffs steep as the walls of a canyon and curves suddenly we emerge from the cliffs and reach the sea it is blue like the unclouded sky a soft dreamy blue and our path turns sharply to the right and winds along cliff summits overlooking a broad beach of dun-coloured sand and the sea wind blows deliciously with a sweet saline scent urging the lungs to fill themselves to the very utmost and far away before me i perceive a beautiful high green mass an island foliage covered rising out of the water about a quarter of a mile from the mainland enoshima the holy island sacred to the goddess of the sea the goddess of beauty i can already distinguish a tiny town gray sprinkling its steep slope evidently it can be reached to-day on foot for the tide is out and has left bare a long broad reach of sand extending to it from the opposite village which we are approaching like a causeway at katase the little settlement facing the island we must leave our jinrikisha and walk the dunes between the village and the beach are too deep to pull the vehicle over scores of other jinrikisha are waiting here in the little narrow street for pilgrims who have preceded me but to-day i am told i am the only european who visits the shrine of benten our two men lead the way over the dunes and we soon descend upon damp firm sand as we near the island the architectural details of the little town define delightfully through the faint sea haze curved bluish sweeps of fantastic roofs angles of airy balconies high-peaked curious gables all above a fluttering of queerly shaped banners covered with mysterious lettering we pass the sand flats and the ever open portal of the sea city the city of the dragon goddess is before us a beautiful torii all of bronze it is with shimenawa of bronze above it and a brazen tablet inscribed with characters declaring this is the palace of the goddess of enoshima about the bases of the ponderous pillars are strange designs in relievo 
eddyings of waves with tortoises struggling in the flow this is really the gate of the city facing the shrine of benten by the land approach but it is only the third torii of the imposing series through katase we did not see the others having come by way of the coast and lo we are in enoshima high before us slopes the single street a street of broad steps a street shadowy full of multicolored flags and dank blue drapery dashed with white fantasticalities which are words fluttered by the sea wind it is lined with taverns and miniature shops at every one i must pause to look and to dare to look at anything in japan is to want to buy it so i buy and buy and buy for verily tis the city of mother-of-pearl this enoshima in every shop behind the letter draperies there are miracles of shell-work for sale at absurdly small prices the glazed cases laid flat upon the matted platforms the shelved cabinets set against the walls are all opalescent with nacreous things extraordinary surprises incredible ingenuities strings of mother-of-pearl fish strings of mother-of-pearl birds all shimmering with rainbow colors there are little kittens of mother-of-pearl and little foxes of mother-of-pearl and little puppies of mother-of-pearl and girls hair combs and cigarette holders and pipes too beautiful to use there are little tortoises not larger than a shilling made of shells that when you touch them however lightly begin to move head legs and tail all at the same time alternately withdrawing or protruding their limbs so much like real tortoises as to give one a shock of surprise there are storks and birds and beetles and butterflies and crabs and lobsters made so cunningly of shells that only touch convinces you they are not alive there are bees of shell poison flowers of the same material poised on wire in such a way that they seem to buzz if moved only with the tip of a feather there is a shell-work jewelry indescribable things that japanese girls love enchantments in mother-of-pearl hairpins carven in a hundred forms brooches necklaces and there are photographs of enoshima section sixteen this curious street ends at another torii a wooden torii with a steeper flight of stone steps ascending to it at the foot of the steps are votive stone lamps and a little well and a stone tank at which all pilgrims wash their hands and rinse their mouths before approaching the temples of the gods and hanging beside the tank are bright blue towels with large white chinese characters upon them i ask akira what these characters signify hokeng is the sound of the characters in the chinese but in japanese the same characters are pronounced kenjitate matsuru and signify that those towels are mostly humbly offered to benten they are what you call votive offerings and there are many kinds of votive offerings made to famous shrines some people give towels some give pictures some give vases some offer lanterns of paper or bronze or stone it is common to promise such offerings when making petitions to the gods and it is usual to promise a torii the torii may be small or great according to the wealth of him who gives it 
the very rich pilgrim may offer to the gods a torii of metal such as that below which is the gate of enoshima akira do the japanese always keep their vows to the gods akira smiles a sweet smile and answers there was a man who promised to build a torii of good metal if his prayers were granted and he obtained all that he desired and then he built a torii with three exceedingly small needles End of chapter 4, part 2